This is Michael Cowan, and welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. He helps us pan for the gold inside ourselves. You need to have grit. I mean, a lot of this is grit. I feel like I've been made a better lawyer. They're talking about something that's real to them. You have to be really careful not to be Goliath. They saved a bunch of lives and changed society forever. But let's just begin the conversation. Welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation, your source for guidance to win bigger verdicts, get more cases, and manage your practice. And now, here's your host, noteworthy author, sought-after speaker, and renowned trial lawyer, Michael Cowan. Welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. Today we have Ben Glass. A lot of you probably heard of him. He's a lawyer from Virginia, and he owns a company called Great Legal Marketing. Uh, I went to one of Ben's seminars about 10 years ago, and it really changed the way I thought about marketing and running a business. Uh, in fact, his... His advice and seminars actually put me along the road to actually where I'm doing a podcast now, along with all the other things, and it's really helped me grow my business. He does a great job explaining the thought process that a potential client goes through before deciding whether they're going to hire an attorney, and if so, who they're going to hire, and a lot of other great legal marketing tips. So I hope that this conversation will be useful to you and help you grow your practice. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. We're, we're graduating my youngest biological son from high school tomorrow. So, you know, wow. the house is filling up with guests. <laughs> and the sun is back out in Northern Virginia. So we're, we're doing well, thanks. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I know you're a busy guy. And so tell me a little bit about what all you have a law practice and you have a something you do that helps lawyers with marketing. Tell me a little bit about what who you are and what you do. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I have a, a, a traditional small plaintiff's personal injury practice. I've been doing this, you know, I can do the math, about 35 years now. Um, as many uh, lawyers, you know, sort of the typical path is they, they get out of school, they work for somebody, and at some point they they say to themselves, as I did, well, gee, how hard could it be to start a law firm? So after about 13 years of working with some, some really good guys and a t- good team, uh, I left to venture out on my own. I was a good lawyer. I had good results. I could try cases, all that, and uh, didn't know what I didn't know, actually, about building a practice. And so first couple of years, I struggled a bunch. Uh, again, I could do the lawyer stuff, but what I didn't know about was how do you how do you attract clients without breaking the bank? I was competing against, you know, in the PI world, Michael, and a lot of big money. Yeah. Um, so I began to study marketing, uh, and I uh, particularly look outside the lawyer world, uh, to see what other successful businesses were doing to uh, to get noticed in a way that didn't require being the highest spender in the marketplace, because that's one way, truly. I mean, you can be the, the biggest spender, and you can you can get the cases. Uh, but I, as many lawyers, you know, I I wasn't in a position to afford that. Um, I discovered a a guy by the name of Dan Kennedy. Started to study Dan stuff, which led me to a lot of other. Um, outside of the legal um, marketers and uh, very intently and very deliberately began to ask myself, how could I take these good ideas that I saw other industries doing and other small biz owners and other industries doing, how could I bring them into law um, and and turn the practice around? Um, in doing that, you know, I, I looked around again and said, well, is anybody teaching this to uh, other me's, right? Other solo and small firm lawyers. Um, there really weren't a lot. And a lot of the material that was out there was provided from inside the legal profession. So the ABA had stuff, various trial lawyer groups had stuff, uh, but it was all the same stuff and uh, and it wasn't what I was doing. So about 13 years ago, we 
Uh, I started a company called Great Legal Marketing. It's a really a, a marketing consulting business. We don't really we don't sell you pay per click ads. We don't build website, websites. We teach solo and small firm lawyers across the consumer services spectrum um, how to attract good clients and now today how to build a real business. So we we really broadened what we do. Um, it's it's about you know getting new leads, but but that's actually probably the easy part now. We've got to figure it out. How do you build a a, a, a company? How do you build a business that has good culture, attract and hire the right people, um, and get and get your fan base, your your past clients, to really evangelize for you? That's the secret. That's the hidden secret for for those of us who aren't spending the most every month in a market. And that's true. And I've uh, I've tried it different ways. And I I think I want like I said I went to your one of your summits back in 2008. And that kind of started me on a journey. And I've actually tried the mass marketing and found that you know while it can work, I don't want to handle a yeah. uh, hundred small car wreck cases uh, or 500 small car wreck cases. I, that's not what I want. I wanted a different type of practice. And uh, so you know we market. Actually, we just market to lawyers for referrals. We don't even market to the public. It's a very uh, different perfect business yeah. model because I only want one type of case, and you know I want a bigger PI case. And I luckily I'm at a point in the market where people will refer them to me. And so we actually did the math, and we made more money per average on our referred cases than we did on our yes. signed up cases when they were referral fee. Um, yeah, and you said you said something very important it was that you, you knew what kind of practice you actually wanted to have. And so what what's good for you and what's good for me isn't necessarily what's good for everyone else. But, right. but and it's an important point. Lawyers need to think, Michael, what do I, no matter what they've done in the past, what do I really want this practice to look like? Who, who do I want to see walking in the door, both as employees and as clients? Let's right. figure that out first. And then let's build common sense, effective marketing to attract that client and frankly, to repel those that don't match what you want for your perfect practice. And you know, that second point is so important. It's honestly something I'm still struggling with because for, for years, I would I kept taking smaller, you know, what we call fender bender cases because I'd always done them. And even though we did yeah. the analysis, you know, that's not where we were making our money. It's not what I had any joy in doing. It's frankly not something that you know, my talent compared to someone else can add all that much value to one of those cases. But it was like a huge step for me to not take those. And now we're looking at actually compressing, you know, down even more. But I always have that fear. Well, I say no to the referring lawyer on this on this kind of yeah. case. It's a small one. He won't give me the, the big one. Uh, what do you tell lawyers that have that fear of, you know, of saying sure. no? So every story that I know about, so folks who have, who have studied with me, um, in my mastermind group, um, everyone who tells that story, so Mark and Alexis Breyer in Phoenix, Arizona are, are, are a great example of once they got over the fear and made the decision, their lives and their practices drastically improved. Um, and a lot of what we think will happen in terms of referral sources or, you know, what will our clients say or what will the community of lawyers say a lot of that is inside our own heads um, we believe and and you I think would uh, certainly agree with this is that you know your, your life is a one-way journey 
let's live it the way we want to live it, and we will be of great service to those clients that we want to work with, and let's just trust that there are other lawyers who love to do, let's just say mass fender benders, who love to do family law, who love to do DUI defense. That's awesome. Great for them. But I don't have to do it just because, um, you know, I feel like uh, sort of uh, peer pressure, <laughs> right, to yeah. keep taking those cases. And every lawyer who's gone through this journey and made the switch and, you know, reported back to me, I've been thankful in, you know, the, the biggest problem, frankly, is, uh, their practice grows, and so they get more people, more space. Um, it's a great place to be. One thing I found is that you know, I had the fear of saying no to a smaller case from a lawyer that was referring it. Uh, yeah. Then when I did say no and said, no, I'm sorry, I only do these bigger cases, then suddenly I went in that other person's mind from being the small case lawyer to the big case lawyer. Then he started referring me to the big cases and someone else to small cases. So it's like yeah. taking the smaller ones – actually had the opposite effect of what I wanted. Exactly. And think about what we do for the profession. So you and I are both of the age where, hey, there's a lot of young lawyers, and, and you and I are both happy to mentor, guide, give advice to young yeah. lawyers. And so and so, why not make that a part of the whole deal, too? Um, and so whether you hire someone to do those cases inside or you, you develop for yourself your your referral sources now that you're sending these cases out to, um, you know you're you're helping the clients get to somebody who loves doing the cases, and you're helping these other young lawyers who, um, you know, the, our profession is filled with stress and frankly a lot of toxic energy, um, yep. but hooking up with somebody like you, somebody like me, somebody like Mark Breyer, um, you know, improves their lives too. So it's a win-win-win. Um, but for heaven's sake, yeah, you don't have to keep doing what you did yesterday just because you think you should or you think that people think you should. <laughs> and uh, what's some advice you can give? Let's say a lawyer uh, has got a smaller practice, wants to start attracting the kind of cases she or he wants. What are yeah. some things you've seen that really work? Well, I think so. What we've already talked about number one is is being very clear in in the type of cases you actually want to um, see walking in the door, and then having very clear criteria so that the decision making when that close one comes in or the one comes in and maybe the phone hasn't rung you know in a day and now one's coming in that's in a no you know it's it's in your no take <laughs> uh, batch, but but having it very clear so that your your staff is turning those cases away, referring them out, whatever, so that you can, you don't even get tempted to go there. Um, then, you know, the, the, the big differentiator we teach, of course, is this information-based marketing, which, which says, well, let me take a step back. I think lawyers make a mistake uh, when they don't look at marketing through the consumer's eyes. So think about this in your world and mine, personal injury world, Yesterday, the person was not even thinking about hiring a lawyer because their day was good, their life was good. Last night, they had an accident. So now, Michael, all of a sudden, they are thrust into our world. They have no experience, typically, in choosing a lawyer. They have no experience in dealing with claims adjusters. This is, and it's totally disruptive to their lives. Right? They they plan to go on vacation next week, and now they're you know in a hospital or something like that. So that person 
really doesn't care, I think, how many years Michael has been practicing law or how many awards you have. They have a problem to solve, and that is doctors are calling, insurance adjusters are calling, um, and my family has given me advice on what to do, and I don't know what to do. And so we think providing useful information that, that, that answers and helps them where they are first, rather than saying, hire me, hire me, hire me, look at how good I am, which is what everybody else is saying, right? That's, that's kind of the secret inroad. Now, you won't get every case, but it helps them develop a trust factor with you when you're giving out free useful information that teaches them, here's what you say to the adjuster today. Here's a, what you might be thinking about in terms of hiring a lawyer. And so here's some criteria, here's some questions. Um, because today's consumer, Michael, they are um, skeptical, right? They're, if they're buying from Amazon, they're reading the reviews, they're reading the product descriptions. And more and more today, they're doing the same thing with lawyers. Because in the old days, I had to go make an appointment with you and sit down with you. Well, today I can visit 10 lawyers, visit, quote, you know, on the internet, watch videos, read, read stuff in an hour. And yeah. so that's, that's what we are competing now in a world where they want info. They're not necessarily going to make a hiring decision next hour. It's another thing lawyers, I think they mistakenly believe that if, I don't hire, if they don't hire me today, they've hired somebody else. That's simply not true, and it's certainly not true in our practice. Um, so so that's, that's, the fir- that's the first thing. You know, look around to what everybody else is saying on their websites and try to say something different. The different thing we believe is this offer of free information that gets a conversation started. Yeah, that's interesting. I've actually taken the lessons I learned from you and applied to lawyer-to-lawyer marketing because yeah. we actually – all our competitors send out brochures saying this is how great we are, this is how much money we've made, whereas we say – come to our seminar and we're going to show you exactly how, you know, we've had some success and we're going to show you exactly step by step how we did yeah. it, give you all the documents we used. And frankly, the people that aren't going to refer it out, I want them to do a good job. And those people that, that do decide, hey, this is a big case, I could use some help, uh, they they seem to respond well to, well, this is the guy that, that provided me with information. I can see he actually knows what he's doing because I've heard him talk and I've seen the results. And he didn't pressure me. He didn't say, I won't help you unless yes. you help me. And I think that giving giving first also there there is a little bit of a well he helped me maybe I can help him when I have a chance. Well, I found, so you know, I've you, had people tell me you're insane yeah. to go give away all your secrets, but there are no real secrets, and you're not. You know, it really yeah. it really has worked. What you're demonstrating just by those comments is an abundance mentality. Unfortunately, many business owners and uh, you know many lawyers have a sort of a scarcity mentality. Uh-huh. If 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 I don't get it, you know you're going to get it, and it's not good if you get it. Um, we believe uh, that there's more than enough claims and cases out there for for everyone and certainly for the good lawyers. And so that strategy, is, is we, we use that strategy in our ERISA uh, dis, long-term disability litigation uh, field of continually providing to our referral sources and really to almost every lawyer in Virginia now, uh, you know, a, a monthly update <laughs> on what's going on so that yeah. w- when they get that call, they, they go, you know what, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to call Ben or I'm going to call Michael and uh, either refer the case outright to you or, or get you to help me consult, you know, whatever you guys are doing. Um, but because the, the alternative is, the alternative is you, you just keep running more 
TV ads or keep building out your website or buying more pay-per-click. And, and there's a place for all of that. You and I, we talked about this earlier on the call. There's a place for that. But that place is a very expensive place for most lawyers. And there only can be one at the top, right? And there can only be five at the top five. So your guerrilla style marketing of doing, uh, of doing education-based seminars for lawyers is awesome. And the other cool thing about what you're doing is you don't wait to get invited by the, you know, the local bar association or the Texas trial lawyers. You just do it, right? So that technique, any lawyer um, in their practice could do that. So for example, right? So the local immigration lawyer could be teaching immigration 101 to criminal defense attorneys, right? Because they all need it. And, uh, and the same thing working the other way. The criminal defense lawyers could be teaching uh, basic criminal defense 101 immigration lawyers because they're all getting their calls and their clients have um, the same problems, broad problems. The personal injury lawyers who figured out marketing could be speaking to the estate planning lawyers saying, here's five things I learned about marketing and that you could use because all your estate planning lawyers are kind of saying the same thing to your market. And so that then makes you the center of a lot of really smart people. Um, and that's where you want you know that's where you want to be because the referred client is is typically a, you know a better client. They come pre-sold, and when you got a bunch of guys and gals, Michael, who are sending you the cases you want, and they know you want these types of cases, it's an awesome place to be. It really is, and and, and frankly, you know, one of my best friends, and we do work together, but we're also close friends, is a big advertising lawyer here in yeah. San Antonio. He does incredibly well. I mean, he's you know he's one of the top guys, spends millions of dollars advertising, makes more than that. But I would not want his life. I mean, I, I see all the headaches that they have to put up with and all these smaller things, and just the I don't want to run yeah. that many cases. And, and I'm God bless him for doing it. And I'm, you know, he's very yes. successful. He's very good at it. But it's not what I want in my life. None of what anyone else is doing is bad, as long as they're deliberately choosing that lifestyle and that practice style. Um, now, if if they have that and they're complaining about it all the time, well, that's on them. They can yeah. they can change. <laughs> so you say the best way, and I agree with you, and you know, for lawyers to develop themselves is to become a source of information. What what are some ways that people can can you know package that information and put it out there? Yeah, sure. So um, you know, we sort of introduced the whole concept of of uh, consumer books um, that lawyers deliver either electronically, someone can download stuff. Uh, or when, once we capture name and, and address, they're actually in our office now, they're getting a package, a, a nice box of, uh, depending on why they've called information about how, you know, how, how to handle a claims adjuster. Sometimes with these smaller cases, I mean, we've got a book, Michael, that teaches lawyers how to, teaches consumers how to settle their own case without a lawyer. If they settle their case and they're happy with that, I'm heroic to them. Okay. Yeah. And law lawyers need to get over the fact that, well, you know, if you have a lawyer, you can get three times more, whatever. That's not the point. Through the consumer's eyes, if they're happy, then you are heroic to them. So thinking about, for any lawyer, any practice area, thinking about sort of the life cycle of of a potential client. So in your world and mine, you've got folks who were just injured yesterday, and so having information that addresses the the conversation you know they're having in their own head right then is perfect. So books, white papers about the initial foray into our world. There are folks who now will be at the stage where they're thinking, 
I would like to hire a lawyer, but I don't know how to shop for a lawyer. So having information that teaches people what to go look for. I mean, is, you know, are, are a lot of reviews on Avo, is that good or bad? Is being listed in super lawyers uh, good or bad or helpful? Um, is someone who lists the 77 organizations they're a part of, is that good or helpful? Uh, consumers appreciate when you give them an honest shot of making a great decision. Um, and and then, you know, having material that, that, that tells people, hey, what is it like to actually work with a lawyer, with a person in your case? How long does it take in Texas? Um, what, what am I likely going to have to do or pay or spend or, you know, docs I'm going to visit? Those are the sort of things. And, and when you do that, now with our package, for example, goes a booklet of what other lawyers say about Ben Glass, which is uh, really the uh, the lawyer endorsements. Now we've scraped off of our Avo site because we have you know more than a hundred lawyers have endorsed us, and wow. we have a separate little booklet that says you know what consumers say about Ben Glass, about PI world, and what consumers say about Ben Glass and the long-term disability world. And so, but I didn't lead with that. See, I didn't just say, Michael, I'm going to send you a book of testimonials so you see how great I am. I sent you right. information that will help you. Uh, make some decisions. You know, uh, we, we call it empowering consumers to make great decisions about their own cases. Um, and this is, uh, you know, if more lawyers would figure this out, then more lawyer advertising would be diverse. Lawyers just want to bang each other over the head with the sort of oftentimes fast cash um, you deserve, and you know, we'll get you all the money you deserve. And and that can, I guess, you know, that can be great. Folks, certain folks have that kind of practice. We have found that a sophisticated consumer in our area with bad injuries and good insurance is very uh, attentive to the type of marketing that we do. So I don't, you know, the guy who's calling me on the way to the hospital after a fender bender on our beltway, it's probably, it's, it's definitely not my uh, prototypical client, right? And so he doesn't really, he doesn't call too much because um, our stuff dissuades him from calling us. And I think there's, you know, when when I was looking at trying to do direct-to-consumer advertising and made that experiment in my practice, um, what I found is, you know, there really is a differentiation amongst the consumers. There are some people that will, I mean, they'll see an ad and they'll hire the ad that thinks they're going to get the money quickly. And there's some people that would, yeah. they're going to know a lawyer and they're going to ask around. And there's a lot of people in the middle that, you know, well, I don't really like this TV ad, but I do need to get some help. I don't know what to do. And I think that's the, the middle ground where you can really fit in. And, you know, those might be the kind of clients you'd rather have too. Exactly. And, you know, for, for your practice where your, your main, if, you know, if not your only marketing is marketing to other lawyers. So you know that the, the good divorce lawyers in town or the business lawyers, they're getting calls from their clients who have been injured in accidents saying, look, Susie, I trust you. I know you don't do um, serious personal injury cases, but who do you trust? Who should I call? And so, you know, we call that marketing to other herd leaders, uh, people who have the respect of a set of consumers. That's interesting. We just, I just finished doing a big analysis of my herd or, you know, the people that we've done yeah. business with. And our, two of our three biggest cases in firm history were referred by insurance defense lawyers. Yes. Well, and that goes back to the rule about treat, treating people professionally, um, being being good at what you do, um, and, you know, never – this is like a different subject, but um, 
the, the litigation world is is just filled with opportunities to be a jerk to somebody else, even if they're a jerk to you. Right. So our, our our internal working model is don't play games, and over time you're in the respect. So yeah, that and that's awesome. That shows that you're highly respected uh, in the area. So okay, so a lawyer decides I've picked my ideal client. I've created. I've thought about what is the conversation going on in their head, and yeah. I've written an informational piece, a book, a newsletter. Uh, I mean, a book, a special report, something that would engage them. How does a lawyer let the consumer know, hey, come look at this. I have this information here for you. A really well-developed, information-rich website is important. Um, although our revenue, so 70% of our revenue comes from referrals. Right? So we have a great website and it gets, gets great SEO traffic and you know it's it's years and years old. And so it gets a ton of traffic and we get a ton of leads from it. Our money, our money comes from referrals, right? But you always, even if that's true, and even if that percentage is the same in your practice, right? You still want to have a great website that makes it, again, easy for the consumer to go and get download that, inf that information. Also, you want to make sure that your referral sources have that information. So, so, so they know and, and you can make it easy for them to refer uh, cases to Michael because, hey, I've got Michael's book on, uh, you know, serious personal injury accidents or whatever um, in Texas. Um, so that's how they know about it. The, the, the part that most lawyers miss is, even if they create something like this, is, is the follow-up. So we, when we've done analyses of where our money comes from and where our big cases come from, we find that and we track everything. So like I can tell, you know, pretty much if you fill you know, when you visited my website and what you requested and what you've seen from us. But it oftentimes is anywhere from, you know, four to eight to twelve months in a serious personal injury accident or case, between the time someone first raises their hand and gets information to the time they make a buying decision, a hiring decision. And again, most lawyers would say, that's not true. That's only because they haven't tracked it. They don't actually know the numbers. Um, and, so, and so what we're talking about is, what's that follow-up system look like? How do I stay in front of the prospect who has now downloaded my book and maybe I've sent them a package in an ethical, interesting, non-pushy way? Um, and that's called um, follow-up. Uh, there's really two parts of that. So um, one part of that is really automated follow-up. So things they get, email sequences, video sequences, um, mailings they get from your office that are triggered by your CRM, your customer relationship management software. Stuff that autom yeah, automatically goes out. Again, automatic doesn't mean it's not a live person. So, So for example, a day 10 or so after we've mailed something, uh, Olivia in our office will call you. Hey, Michael, just uh, Ben sent you this package information last week after you requested a website. Just want to make sure you got it, right? Have you had a chance to look at it? Do you have any questions? It, her conversation is not, oh, you need to come in now and sign up with us. Do you have any questions? Reach out. You know, if they've hired another lawyer, fine. You know, we mark out. We don't bug them anymore. Uh, but most of them haven't. I mean, most of them, they're in that consumer research uh, time.
So at the same time as they're having this automated follow-up sequence, which can get deep and long, uh, and again, it's about them. It's about answering questions they have. Uh, we're also putting them on our newsletter um, program, which means they're getting a mailed monthly newsletter. That is uh, probably today about 25 or 30% legal stuff and 75% um, non-legal but interesting stuff in order to stay in front of them in an interesting way, again, not pushy, until they're ready to make a decision. Now, having said all that, there is always a path to us. We don't want to say, you can't hire us, right? So if someone wants to come in, if they're ready, yeah, sure, there's, yeah, just like everyone else, call us. Problem is, most lawyers only have one path back. Call us and come in for your free consultation. We're providing multiple ways that they can stay engaged with us until they are ready to make a decision. And again, it empowers them to make a great decision about hiring. So how many people do you send this print newsletter to? Today, you know, I didn't go back to look before the call, but it's probably six or 7,000 every month. So it's, so it's our complete consumer database of folks who've, who've called and we've gotten mailing address and whether or not they hired us or not, they go on the list. It's our complete list of uh, referral sources, both attorney referral sources and, um, um, you know, non-lawyers, other small business owners, pastors, things like that. Um, and and so people will say, oh, well, you know, that can be expensive. Again, what, what you want to know is you want to know your numbers. And what we're measuring is how many of my dollars or what percentage of my dollars are coming from that database from those referrals I said it's over 70% for us so I'm measuring year to year am I maintaining or increasing that level so people will say well I didn't get any calls from my newsletter well what you really want to measure is the percentage of dollars coming in from your list from your tribe from your herd and so there's a lot of things we do to cultivate and stay interesting to that list. Um, but that's what we do. And I've got lawyers, you know, who, who mail 15 or 20,000 uh, uh, newsletters a month. Uh, and, and they get back in new cases by about the end of the first quarter of the year, they get back the revenue, you know, their EVA, really, on their year's spent. Actually, these are guys and gals who, I mean, you don't start there, okay? So they have very sophisticated direct response marketing. They're not on TV. They're not on radio. They have deep relationships with journalists, deep relationships with other small biz owners, um, deep relationships with their community that they've cultivated over time. I mean, they're doing all sorts of programs, teacher of the week, student athlete of the week. We, we ran a, a soccer sportsmanship challenge for local high schools here. So we're just doing a lot of different things, right? Um, uh, because, you know, paying for pay-per-click ads in PI in Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area is probably not as expensive as where you are, um, but it's really expensive. So, but, it, you know, here's one debate I've heard people say, and I'm, I'm on the, the paper side with you on the debate. We, yeah. we run a little mini magazine every month. But, Perfect. Uh, people say, well, why do you want to spend, you know, paper is expensive, postage is expensive, production is expensive. Why don't you send an email newsletter? 
Yeah. So uh, my answer to that is uh, personally, I I have uh, you know I probably delete 100 emails a day uh, and vigorously uh, uh, opt out of anything that's not really interesting to me. So um, think so. There's a number of things. One, if it's physical and it gets there and it's interesting, it doesn't get thrown out. Um, I know my newsletters, parts of them get put up on people's refrigerators because I talk a lot about success and you know how to achieve and and stuff like that. Um, so to you know, it doesn't get thrown away. It gets passed around. Uh, it shows up regularly. The open rate and the uh, is, of email is decreasing, and the actual readership. I mean, when's the last time I could you spent like ten minutes reading an email, even if it had cool links? Probably never in the last five years. I mean, I don't have time. Really, we just we just don't do that, right? And so, and with so many business owners opting for the cheap email thing, the mailbox has less interesting stuff in it. So another sort of personal habit I have is every single day I'm trying to think in the morning of someone who I could write a note to with a real, you know, I have a stack of little note card stationery, just thinking of you or, hey, thanks for having me on the call or I saw this cool article. Every single day, a personal hand-addressed, handwritten, hand-stamped note is going out to someone in my universe. It's not about me. It's about them. Um, but these are the little things that, Michael, even, even someone who's just starting a practice could do that. I mean, they could go to some, as you said, you know, the marketing vulture and, and get, you know, commit themselves to months and months of months of pay-per-click ad or social media management or stuff like that. We're saying, you don't have to do that. I mean, even if even if you couldn't afford to mail your newsletter to everyone, at least get a good graphic designer, get a good printer, print up a hundred of them, have them in the office, give them to everyone who comes in. When you see someone you want to send a note to, you know, fold up one of the newsletters and send it to them. The important thing, though, is that the newsletter not be boring. I get probably a hundred newsletters a month because I have a lot of lawyers around the country who send me their stuff, and um, you know, some of them are drop dead boring because if if I, I get one from a tax lawyer and the whole damn thing is about tax, it's like, oh, that's, that's horrible. It's not exciting at all. Um, but I get other newsletters that when they come, I put them right to the top of the pile. I want to read them because they're writing about their families. They're writing about cool celebrities in their community. They're holding up, you know, the, again, the, you know, the crossing guard of the month, doing neat, interesting things in the community, like Abe Lincoln. One thing I've always found, because with the newsletters, they need to go out every month or whatever. Some people might do two months or quarterly. We find yeah. I've taken your advice and said every month, every month, but it is a struggle to get something out every month. I mean, how do you, yeah. how do you find time to do everything and still practice law? Yeah. So, well, that's a, that's a big two-parter question. So the, it's the a second question. part is what does it actually mean to practice law? So, so today I was earlier today, I was talking to my, I have a personal CEO coach. I'm like, you know, I'm handling fewer cases than I've ever handled in my life. We're making more money than we've ever made before, and we're helping a lot of clients. So is Ben practicing law or not? Our clients are happy. My wife is happy. But I'm happy. So that's a whole different discussion we can have one day. Um, but before that, uh, the, uh, uh, there's, there's a couple ways to do this. The thing, the way I like to teach is 
you have a folder, a little manila folder you keep on your desk, you keep in your briefcase or your bag, whatever. And as you go through the month, you will see interesting things. An article in the local paper about um, you know, somebody else's business or a local sports team, a local high school team that's doing well. Um, you might hear a story from a client. You just put these little notes into the into your news, what I call my newsletter fodder uh, folder. And I and I have these. I have these both for Great Legal Marketing and for for the Ben Glass Law newsletter. And these become your idea prompts. Okay. Now it's great if you can get a team, um, you know, a graphic artist or somebody. And and these folks are you can find them on various internet sites where you're, you know, you're, you're contracting out just a lot of really good talented people in the world. So that all you have to do is come up with the ideas, right? And they can go out and find photos for you. The other thing, another cool uh, strategy is to just open your iPhone and look at the pictures you took in the last month. Yeah. That will remind you, Oh yeah, we had this event at school or, you know, I was at my kid's soccer game or something like that. Um, and these become your idea props. That's how you do. That's how you do it. There are there are services. I mean, we work closely with um, uh, Sean Buck at the Newsletter Pro. What they do is they they call you and they'll interview you. Hey, Michael, what's going on in the firm? What's going on in the city? What what have you been doing? You got any vacation plans? And then they write like the central article um, about you know that's personalized. They will then um, and every newsletter is customized, but they may have um, stock articles about. Uh, oh, it's summertime, and so, so the Fourth of July is coming up. So here's some good recipes for hot dogs or whatever. You know, here's the history of the national anthem, things like that. So there's all sorts of services. I think the important thing is you want to have something in that newsletter that's personal to you, uh, telling a little bit of your inside behind the curtains story. Maybe it's what the kiddos are doing this month. Maybe it's about your vacation. Lawyers, some lawyers are kind of very shy about this. Well, no one would want to know about that. That's actually not true. People are interested. They want to know you for more than, hey, Ben's a good lawyer. And so uh, people know my story, which is dad to nine. I've got kids adopted from China. I run two businesses. I referee soccer. They, they remember all of that more than they remember, oh, and what kind of law does he do, right? But, but, yeah. but I have these trust things, and so they will call me. Well, you know, we get... I won't say hundreds. We get lots of calls every month about things that I do not know anything at all about, right? Areas of law I do not know anything about, but I know who knows about them, right? And so that's what you want to be. You want to be the center of the first call that anyone in your community will make because they trust you. They know your story. They know you're a good guy. They know you're a good uh, gal, you know, um, and you're like them because we're scary to people. We're lawyers. Um, we're not scary to each other, but but again, it's a, usually a first-time experience. And the, what the, the number one thing they want to know is, is Ben an easy guy to talk to, or is he like all those other lawyers I've heard about? Because I think they're all jerks. All I hear about is how crazy they are they're on the front page of the newspaper right every day. Create some crazy lawyers. Um, yeah. So we want to lower that barrier so people will, will have a conversation with us, and then um, – you know, nothing else. If I have a conversation with you and I've helped you on your way, I'm going to ask you for, and you are likely to go online and say something nice about me online. And we don't have to wait till the end of the case for that to happen. My struggle, like like I said, I first went to the first great legal marketing conference with you, joined the GLM, got all excited, and was going to try to write my own monthly newsletter. And you know, it was the first few months. It was a monthly newsletter, and then it, yeah. I got busy doing cases, and it was. A, 
we go two months without one or three months without one and, you know, have varying lengths. And uh, it was a real struggle. And it actually took me years to come up with a system uh, that worked to get a monthly newsletter out. And it took me, I think, five or six hires to find someone brilliant and dedicated. Uh, her name's Delisi Friday. She's awesome. I love her. I hope she's here forever. Uh, but yeah. what I found is I don't like writing newsletters. I like taking depositions and I like trying cases and uh, you know, there's things I need to spend time working what's on my business out of in my business. I do have to spend time working on the big stuff, the management stuff, the big picture, but I find I don't, that's not where my passion is. And so, you know, I finally found a way to make enough money to hire someone good to do the stuff that is important, yeah. but I'm, I'm not great at, but I still struggle with, and, and I know you've published some nice stuff on this and talked on this is, no time management. How do you figure out how you get everything done? So the, I guess the first mindset thing to think about is you are the racehorse. If you aren't, for you, Michael, you said you like being in trial, taking depositions. Well, if you're not doing that, then you're not doing what's the highest value use of your time. So we have to engineer your environment in order to put you in trials, put you in depositions, because that's where you, what you like doing and that's what you're making your money. Right. Now, when you're taking a deposition, ain't nobody walking in and go, Michael, there's a phone call for you, right? Nope. Or your, your email's not dinging and your answer not. So we know that you can, you can go periods without answering the phone. I have not, in the last 10 years, I have not taken any unscheduled inbound phone calls Except, only exception is a judge or a judge's clerk calls me, right? Um, any, every, all of my other calls are scheduled. Uh, so if you call me and say, hey, I need to talk to Ben, um, first you'll get screened out if you're you know, a vendor selling something, because I've got other people to take care of that. Um, but hey, I need to talk to Ben about a case. Let's say you're a client. Terrific. Um, Ben's available. It could be, uh, you know, if it calls in the morning, it could be today at 4.30. But we're going to schedule it so that I'm ready and you're ready, and the call is going to have a start and an end time. So that is that is a big thing because uh, in a book that your listeners should go read is a book called Deep Work. If you haven't read it, by Cal Newport. It's a good book. It's one of those I read. It's one of those I read every year, and I just finished my my reread of it for 2018. Um, but the point that that they make he makes is. We, especially in the, in the knowledge economy, the knowledge workers, we have to be able to carve out time for ourselves to think, for you and me, thinking about the cases, thinking about the running of the business, if we are constantly interrupted. So uh, that can't be done if we're interrupted. So um, my staff, years ago when I started this, said, oh, that'll never work. People will get pissed off. It's not true. <laughs> and now I've got lawyers all over the country. I get their newsletters and say, reminder about our communications policy. Uh, Mr. So-and-so does not take any unscheduled inbound calls. This is to your benefit because when I'm working on your case, Michael, I'm working on your case and I'm not letting myself be interrupted. So that's that's a big one. Um, the, the other thing for lawyers, for anyone who is productive, who gets stuff done, you know, who's a successful person, you get asked to do a lot of things outside of the law or, or inside the law. A lot of committees, volunteer groups. You know what? It's okay to say no. We lawyers mouth the mantra that we do it for our families, we care deeply for our families, and then we screw that up time and time again. Um, and so, you know, uh, honoring 
that commitment we've made to ourselves, to our spouses, to our to our kiddos, um, that's crucial because every time, every minute we waste during the day really is a minute stolen out of another part of the day for the family. Now it's tough. I'm not saying that any of this is easy, but um, but doing phone calls only by schedule, and you can train defense lawyers to do this. It's my obligation to go in and fill all the blocks into my calendar. My team then knows what blocks they can either schedule meetings, appointments, or uh, or phone calls for me. The other thing I do is I don't I don't come into the office before noon uh, because I've got a nice home office and my quality whether I'm working on a brief, preparing for a deposition, uh, or you know writing newsletter article or thinking about newsletter articles, um, I've got four or five hours of really uninterrupted deep work. That's the, the notion behind the book, Deep Work. And then I come in the office. And so I never have, um, uh, to the best I can, you know, I don't, you don't have total control when you're a litigator, but the best I can, I don't schedule stuff before noon here. I still get stuff done. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I've, I've talked a lot to your very simple question, but most lawyers That's believe this, this can't be done. Most lawyers believe you know, they're slaves to the client, they're slaves to the process. Um, and the sad part is that's what leads to the high levels of depression, anxiety, sadness that lawyers uh, in America have, and, you know, the ABA reports on. I'm trying to change that by helping lawyers say, look, you, you can create a practice that's perfect for your life. It might not be the practice your dad thought you were going to have when, you know, he told you to go to law school or something like that. Um, but it is, it'll add to your longevity, it'll add to your happiness. In the end, it's really good for the clients too. It's really good for the clients to have a, a lawyer who's not totally stressed out and burned out about the practice of law. I mean, think about that. Most lawyers Absolutely. who get in trouble ethically, most lawyers who get in trouble ethically, it's because they're burned out and they're tired and they're overwhelmed. They don't know how to run a business and they don't know how to control their own time. So I'm giving you permission to Grab a hold of your time, and I'm telling you that the most successful lawyers I know in the solo and small firm market are not working 60. They're not working 80. You know, they're they're working on um, the fun stuff, like you said. Whatever is fun for them, they're making money, and then they're hiring people who can do the stuff that the lawyer is not totally in love with, right? Right. So I love meeting new clients. But if I never sat for another deposition where my client is deposed for four hours, that would be okay with me, right? Me I got too. people that, who can do that. <laughs> exactly. I got people who can do that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you and you do help lawyers. You have this great legal marketing. I'm actually a member, uh, and uh, I find it has the value to enough value where I pay for it, even after awesome. all the stuff I've learned the last ten years. In fact, I'm in the process. I'm not going to be able to make the next meeting, but I'm in the process of moving up to the mastermind level. Um, Great. I do find yeah. it valuable. But just for everyone else listening, you know, what what do you offer at Great Legal Barking? And if somebody wanted to join, you know, or find out more, how could they find out more about it? Right. So thank you for asking that question. So, that, so there's two things. So I, I guess what we say is, look, no matter where you are, whether you're a new solo with no other staff or someone like you who's very, you know, very accomplished, uh, we're really good at helping you analyze where you are and figuring out the most efficient use of your next dollar, your next hour you're going to spend on the practice building side. So there's a ton of information at greatlegalmarketing.com. Most folks join us at what we call our gold level, where we're teaching them how to get more leads. Because lawyers who come to us, that's like their number one question. How do I get more leads? How do I get more cases? 
they come in that door and what we teach them really is what we've talked about in this call and that is that it's a lot more about the mindset first let's 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 impart to you a growth abundance mindset um, we'll teach you how to get more cases because frankly it's not that hard once you know what to do it's not that expensive once you know what to do we'll stop you from spending the bad money right so before you go sign that six-month contract with whoever we'll we'll help you think about that um, and then we have you know we have ad additional levels of membership where folks who are running good and profitable firms and growing we think about things like how do you maintain firm culture how do you expand perhaps to different practice areas how do you expand to maybe different um, office sites um, and then at our mastermind level it it's um, it's it's a um, you're in an environment with without any of your competitors where you can lay it on the line um, whatever's working for you and share it freely knowing that your competitor isn't going to steal and use it uh, you may show something Michael that that a family lawyer in you know, New Hampshire goes, that's a really brilliant idea. I'm going to, I'm going to use that right idea up here in New Hampshire in a different um, legal market. Um, and then we, all sorts of discussions about, um, yeah, how, how do you pay people? How do you compensate um, associates? How do you deal with partners? How do you, you know, what do you deal with a partner who doesn't have a growth mindset? Things like that. So greatlegalmarketing.com is where you start. If folks want to find out about the, the summit that you referenced, that's at glmsummit.com, glmsummit.com. That's our big, it's three days now. It's uh, every year in October up here in Arlington, Virginia, where um, we really, this year we're diving deep into a lot of personal development stuff. So we, we always teach about the marketing, and there's nuts and bolts about marketing. Um, but as we've gotten sort of more sophisticated and knowledgeable and dealt now with thousands of law firms around the country, uh, a lot of lawyers want to know how do I live a really highly fulfilled life? How do I stay physically, spiritually, financially fit? Who should I hang out with? Who should I be reading? What sort of habits should I develop? How do I grow a great team that will allow me to leave for extended periods of time and not have to worry about the practice running? So that's that's what we'll be talking about a lot this October, but that's at glmsummit.com. Uh, Great. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about while I got you on the line? Yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 obviously, you know, I'm excited about the practice of law. Um, it is it is sad to me that so many particularly young lawyers um, come in, uh, get burned out, and they never get to really see guys like you who are successful and who like doing what you're doing, but you've built a practice that is good for you, right? I built a practice that is good for me, and, you know, the message that I would say to folks who are listening is, is that at something like the Great Legal Marketing Summit, there's a room full of lawyers who have built practices that are good for them. And we have piles and piles and piles of testimonials that say, not only am I making more money, but you actually changed my life. My relationship with my family is better. Um, I'm less stressed out. You know, we, we have guys, Michael, that tell me that you know, they've lost 100 pounds and improved their golf score. Um, you have one, it's a one-way journey, as I said earlier, through life. We might as well live it our way at the end of the day that is the best thing for the client to have a lawyer who's got a good business and who's not stressed out if not pissed off you know about the practice of law you are that's great for your client you're great for your family well absolutely i look forward to talking to you again soon and thank you yes, so sir. much for coming on my pleasure
Thank you for joining us on Trial Lawyer Nation. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Ben Glass. As trial lawyers, we're always learning how to work up our cases, but it's also important to think about how do we get the cases that are worth working up. We've been getting some feedback from listeners requesting uh, specific topics, and we'd love to do that. So if you have a topic that you'd like to address on uh, Trial Lawyer Nation, or a guest that you'd like us to have, uh, please contact us. You can either email Delisi Friday, she's my marketing assistant, D-E-L-I-S-I at CowanLaw, C-O-W-E-N-L-A-W.com. I can go to our uh, Facebook page uh, for Trial Lawyer Nation and make a comment on there, and we will do our best to accommodate you. On the topic of marketing, next week we have Devin Hers. Devin owns a company called Dynamic Marketing Consultants, and he's actually the person I use to do all my firm's marketing. Uh, he's got a lot of great ideas and has really helped me build my practice, and I thought maybe he could help you. So uh, come and listen next time on Trial Lawyer Nation. Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide. Are you an attorney with a catastrophic injury or wrongful death case you'd like to discuss with host Michael Cowan? If so, you can reach Michael by calling 210-941-1301 or send an email to michael at cowanlaw.com. We look forward to talking with you again soon as we continue to explore powerful insights from our amazing host and remarkable guests here on Trial Lawyer Nation. Until then, please be sure to subscribe and review this podcast on iTunes or your favorite listening app so we can continue to reach more listeners. Visit us at www.triallawyernation.com to send us a message, listen to previous podcasts, or learn more about Michael Cowan and our guests. This podcast has been hosted by Michael Cowan and is not intended to, nor does it create the attorney-client privilege between our hosts, guests, or contributors and any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. All thoughts and opinions expressed herein are only those from which they came.